0: Hi, my haere mai, ki welcome to the panel RNZ National Core Wallace Chaplin, tōku ingoa, coming up on the programme Te Reo Māori was delivered to Parliament on uh, September the 14th 1972 more than 30,000 people gathered had signed rather the document asking for active recognition of Te Reo Māori and people gathered today to mark 50 years of that historic petition, we discussed that this afternoon just after 4 after a near six-week lockout, mill workers at Kawaro go back to work Monday. A deal has been reached. We discussed that on the panel. And the government plans to deliver around 1,000 additional teachers announced today. Where will they come from? Is the pay attractive enough? And don't microwave things in plastic? A big no-no. Didn't know that. That for you today. And here's a question for you. How did you get back to school? How did you get to school back in the day? Text me two one zero one. Email the panel at rnz.co.nz. Get this: between 1978 and 1980 in Auckland, around 20% of intermediate school students bike to school. 20%. Last count, just 3% of teens and 2% of younger children bike to school. So how did you get to school back in the day? A campaign in Aotearoa to get people on bikes and kids. Back on the bikes. With me this afternoon, Verity Johnson, columnist and business owner, Kira Verity. Kira Wallace. Also Sam Johnson, social entrepreneur and chief executive of the Student Volunteer Army. Sam, welcome. Thank you, Wallace. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. And look, just uh, getting this out of the way. Uh, you both, you're not related. <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. (laughs) No, we're not.
1: We we could be, Verity. We might be, yeah. I mean, you might be my second cousin who
0: I've never met. You could well be related. (laughs) I could be. Okay, right. Verity Johnson and Sam Johnson with me this afternoon. Now, um, this is... A rather extraordinary story. An Australian man has died after being attacked by a kangaroo that he had been keeping as a pet, police say. A relative found the 77-year-old man with serious injuries on Monday at his home in Redmond, about 400 kilometres south of Perth. When paramedics arrived at the rural property, the kangaroo prevented them from treating the man. Australia is home to around 50 million kangaroos. They can weigh up to 90 kgs. They can grow very high. Joining us is Associate Professor Graham Coulson from Melbourne University, and is a kangaroo behaviour expert. Graham, welcome to the panel.
2: Hi, Wallace and panel.
0: Lovely to have you on, Graham. Is this quite rare? I've never heard of a person dying by kangaroo attack. Uh,
2: It's extremely rare. It's had people going back through the history books, and the last one before this one was in 1936.
0: Okay, so this is a long time ago. Uh,
2: The deal is, I
0: guess, Graham, um, I didn't know they were dangerous. Are kangaroos dangerous?
2: Uh, Yeah, they are. They can get pretty big, as you said, uh, 90 kilos, and that's all muscle and bone. There's hardly an ounce of fat on them. Uh, They've got a lot of weapons, so especially the big males, they're uh, basically built for fighting each other, but they'll use them defensively as well. And, uh, you know, they've got big claws, strong arms, big shoulders, and those huge feet with a big ripping claw in them.
0: Oh, gosh. Okay, well, now that you sound like that, Graham. Uh, <laughs> um, because Pretty he scary.
3: Had, yeah,
0: Sam, uh, that, but, uh, yeah. Sam, you jump in.
3: Yeah, I was just going to say, Graham, it's pretty scary. I mean, they, they, from the outside, a kangaroo looks like a wonderful sort of cuddly creature. But I think if you've watched any of the YouTube videos of kangaroos jumping across the road or hitting cars and that sort of thing, they're pretty um, uh, aggressive um, animals and not something I'd think to keep as a pet. Uh,
2: no. Well, I guess the car thing's a bit unfair because they, they don't really want to be there and, and they hmm. usually come off second best <laughs> in a car. But, uh, you know, they're basically a a peace-loving herbivore and they don't want any trouble most of the time, but they are adapted to defend themselves from predators, so that would be Hmm. wild dogs and dingoes in Australia. Um, And sometimes that reaction gets turned upon people.
0: Yeah, there was an episode uh, yesterday, uh, a a woman was attacked also, but uh, death, as you say, very rare. Last happened in 1936. Yeah, you can get some
2: very nasty scratches and bruises, though. So there's been quite a few injuries ah, right. and a number of hospitalisations over the years. Um, but, um, yeah, as you say, deaths are really rare.
1: I'm just curious, Graham. <clears throat> when I was living in Australia, I knew these guys who sort of talked about the idea of keeping a kangaroo as a pet very... Fondly, I don't think they actually any of them did, but it kind of seemed like a sort of great Australian charming like pastime to have a pet kangaroo is that yeah. is that a thing, and what's the attraction?
2: Yeah, it is a bit of a thing there I guess there's two groups uh, a lot of people in the country will have a kangaroo as a pet, quite often the mother's been hit on the road or maybe shot, and then they'll find the Joey in the pouch and raise it. And it becomes just part of the family, and most of the time that's fine, uh, especially if it's a female. But the hmm. uh, the young males, big and feisty, and the problem then is that they they sort of treat the human as a as a rival. So um, things oh. can escalate oh. but young males. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but a lot, man... lot of people a uh, lot of people hand raise them as well. You know, wildlife carers. So there's um, quite a quite a lot of hand-raised joeys out there.
0: Yeah. So this man had quite, I mean, very serious injuries, and I don't want to speculate on specifics, of course, but it did sound like he didn't stand the chance.
2: No, we don't have much detail at all. Um, he was 77, says he, who's 70-something himself. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we don't know what sort of how frail he might have been, and we don't know how long the attack went for. But if it was the sort of scenario that I'm imagining where the the young buck... Becomes increasingly feisty and, and treats the his, his uh, human surrogate as a as a rival rather than a mum or a dad, then um, it, it it can turn quite nasty.
0: While you're here, Professor uh, Professor Coulson, uh, we're talking to a kangaroo behaviour expert from Melbourne University. This news out yesterday that uh, a man has died after being attacked by a kangaroo. Um, uh, Fifteen million kangaroos in Australia. Uh, are they an endangered species? Are they not? Tell us more.
2: No, n- not at all endangered. There's three species of big kangaroo. So there's the your, your big red that everybody knows. Yeah. And then there's two species of grey kangaroo. They're spread right across the continent between the three of them. And um, the, the numbers are really big. So there's there's no threat to the big species at all. A lot of the little cousins, the little wallabies and rat kangaroos and paddy melons, they're, quite a few of those are threatened.
0: Okay. Sam, I've just suddenly had a, a realisation.
3: I've, <laughs> I've never seen one. N- never seen a kangaroo? I've, I've, seen, I've seen plenty of them. Uh, and yeah. I think there'll never be a lot of one. people in New Zealand that haven't, haven't seen crazy. them, though. And Graham, was just... Oh, I was just just going to ask, is there, do you know much about why we have wallabies in New Zealand and not kangaroos and why they why they never arrived here? Or, and are wallabies native to New Zealand? Uh, no, they're certainly
2: not native. And um, I think there's been about five or six species introduced, most of it back very early in the day. Um, right. the, the gentleman's name was Bray, and I can't remember what his role was. But as you know, there's been a lot of... Um, acclimatisation societies in working to introduce species, mostly for hunting in New Zealand. And some of them have really taken off and some of them are a real nuisance, certainly on the South Island. Um, uh, Bennett's wallaby is a big problem and I think um, dharma wallabies on the North Island around uh, Rotorua. I think, uh, are also a problem. They they um, damage pasture and, um, yes. and crops yep. So, yep. so they can be a real pest.
0: Very interesting. Lovely to talk to you, Graham Miller. Before you go, in terms of, I mean, there are 50 million kangaroos uh, in uh, Australia. You said yourself they can be very big, 90 kgs, 2 metres tall, or muscle. Um, Any market for meat, good eating?
2: Uh, Yeah, very good eating. They're they're very um, high-quality meat, very, very lean, a bit like venison. Yeah, um, but there's many more kangaroos than there is a market for them, so they're, <laughs> they're certainly harvested for their meat and skins. But um, the, the, the most years uh, that uh, hunters don't even reach the quota.
0: Gosh, wow. Wow. Thank you, Graham. There's Graham Coulson there from uh, Melbourne University, uh, a kangaroo behaviour expert, and someone says Sir George Grey introduced wallab- wallabies. Uh, We have had uh, a very big response regarding how you got to school. I biked three kilometres of school school bus stop and back each day. Then when I turned 12, I had a job riding around town delivering prescriptions to the elderly. My six-year-old son and 10-year-old daughter, they ride on their bike most days unless it's pouring, and they have done that since they were five years old. Goodness gracious. Um, Robbie Ooh. says, Primary, I ran barefooted to intermediate and secondary, cycled in the 60s, <laughs> early 70s. Wallace says, Laurie, um, I rode a horse to school in the 1940s. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. That's great. They're that just is great. This getting
1: steadily more New Zealand in the response. <laughs> uh, so that yeah. is
0: our question of the afternoon. How did you get to school as a youngster? Because we're talking about that. Uh, the, the people, young people biking to school, declined really sharply we discuss later in the programme. Time for I've Been Thinking. Sam Johnson, take it away.
3: Oh, thank you, Wallace. Well, I've been thinking, um, as many of us will have been this week, about the new king and, um, and the dear Queen's um, uh, death um, and I have to say the, the point that I'd like to see come out a little more and I just encourage people to think about um, is um, the the type of leadership that actually King Charles will probably bring which is, is will be good for the world. Um, I've had the privilege of being um, a trustee of his New Zealand charity, The Prince's Trust um, and um, met Prince Charles as, as he then was a few times and the thing that always strikes me about him is his leadership and vision and ambition um, and he's sort of known as this, uh, this, this person no matter what idea you bring to him, he'll always push it and want more, which I think is a really great thing around a leader of his of his type, um, and and actually just a great model in terms of leadership. He's always been someone for me that I've, I've looked up to in terms of the way he's he's led and used his role. Uh, t- to lead through others and make things happen and actually make good things happen so i'm quite yeah. excited about what it will what it will come and um, i'm quite excited for the future of the the princess trust too in terms of whatever um that the, the future form of that takes um and the and the programs that we run there
0: okay and verity <laughs> uh, i've got to bring you in, being you yeah, being from the uk yeah what did you make of sam's comments
1: um uh, sorry sam it's our first disagreement of the day um but like i <laughs> i know i agree that the princess trust does awesome stuff and i Love what Charles, uh, King Charles, not Charles, King Charles has brought to the voice around environmentalism. I think that was really impactful when he started talking about it. You know, in the 80s and 90s. But, but, but I also just don't think we should have a king. I just don't think we should have a monarchy anymore. And I say that as a British person who moved here when they were 14. Yeah. Like, I I believe in the monarchy for England, but I just don't think it's particularly relevant to New Zealand. And I don't understand why we have it except as a legacy or a throwback to. To a system which it doesn't mm. feel particularly relevant or necessary, and have you changed your thinking on that? Well, yeah. I mean, I changed recently over the last six years since moving back here. That's when I sort of became more Republican um, and more like the English half of me believes in the monarchy for England, but it doesn't believe in the monarchy mm. for New Zealand or for Australia. It just doesn't mm. seem relevant. And he
3: gets quite frustrated.
0: <laughs> he gets quite same. He gets frustrated by the signings, doesn't he? With the ink pen um, <laughs> blotting everywhere.
3: Yeah, I, I, think, I think that debate will happen naturally in New Zealand over the next few years. Uh, and and I'm, I'm definitely on the other side. I think if it's not broken, don't fix it. And, and actually, there is an important role that, that the, the monarchy can play. Um, but but we will have that conversation um, in the next no, couple of years, no doubt. And it will be really interesting uh, to follow and see how that evolves. Verity Johnson, I've been mm. thinking.
1: I mean, speaking about representation and leadership, I actually have been thinking how I'm actually going to vote for the first time ever um, for local council slash the mayor of Auckland, because um, like traditionally I've been so disengaged in that process because I find it a very alienating process what for young people. What got you
0: engaged all of a sudden?
1: Well, what got me engaged is seeing a lot of the rise of anti-democracy and conspiracy groups, uh, like, you know, anti-vaxxers, and the sort of inherited anti-democracy ideology which has been passed over from the US and I used to think oh that's just America being crazy and then you see um, it you see the roots of it developing in New Zealand and you suddenly realize that we live in this globalized Mm -hmm. economy where ideas spread and you can't be complacent in New Zealand about democracy you actually should stand up and fight for it because otherwise you end up with people who really don't believe in structures of democracy trying to actively stand for parliament trying to stand for local council trying to be mayor and it's terrifying but yeah, it shocked me out of my complacency. Why didn't you
0: put why didn't you stand for me yourself?
1: <laughs> me. <laughs> no. Wallace, I run a burlesque club. I'm not entirely sure people would be able to reconcile those two ideas. Never know. Never know. You know, maybe. If this was France, they would love that. They would
3: be like, Oh my god, I'm as a burlesque performer. <laughs> Sam Johnson standing? Why not? <laughs> Well, No, no, not standing for anything but um, v- uh, at least voting is a good start Verity and that's the, that's, yeah. a, that's where people <laughs> should start out And uh, but gosh, thank you to all the candidates who are standing uh, because it, I have been there before as a local board member, it's, it, is, it takes guts and it's hard, um, so please get out and vote and please thank the candidates for even putting themselves forward
0: Big question of the day, how did you get to school? We walked barefoot and stood in warm cow paths to keep our feet warm mid-1950s Verity Johnson, Sam Johnson with us this afternoon. Stay with us.